Well, good morning, church. Welcome to Grace Community United Methodist Church, where our mission is to create a community where all people can experience God's transforming grace. My name's Eric Ashley, and very grateful to be the pastor here at Grace. Welcome to worship. We're glad you're here. Hopefully you got a bulletin when you came in. And then it's a lot of information about what's happening in the church. We've added a new section on the back of all the upcoming events. We're going to try to stay a couple months out, so at least you can mark your calendars and be looking for information. There's also an order of worship that you can follow along, just kind of figure out where we are in the service and, and maybe how much longer we have, you know, that kind of thing. But welcome to all, especially if you're first-time guests, we uh, especially welcome you. And I'll, I'll be hanging around after the service. If you want to introduce yourself, that'd be great. And I'd love to put a face with a name. Inside your bulletin is a Connect card. If you could fill that out to register your attendance and share as much information as you you're, uh, feel uh, safe to share, we utilize that just in-house. doesn't go anywhere else just to communicate about church activities that are going on. And if you are a regular attender, you can use that to update your contact information as well. Probably the most important thing, I think, though, I say this every week, I think, is the, the prayer request on the other side. It's, uh, it's our honor and joy for the staff and others to be praying with and for you. It's, no, it's part of my daily practice. And so please share those requests. In a few minutes, the offering basket will come through, and you can put those cards in the, in the offering basket when it's passed through to you. If you're digitally minded, you can go to mygraceumc.com on your smartphone. You can do all that stuff that's in the bulletin right from your phone if you'd like to do it that way as well. So raise your hand if you have ever moved to a new city. Anybody ever moved across to a new state? How about a new country? Anybody ever gone out of country in the country? Right. Check that lady's green card back there. Okay, good. All right. Most of us have experienced the transition of moving from one place to another. I know our, our family, so Trace and I have been married nearly 26 years now, and we've had 10 moves as a married couple, a lot more in the last couple of years than we did in the beginning. But, so how many of you guys have maybe moved five times or more? Any 10 or more? Do we have any 15 here? Any 15 moves? Okay, couple still standing. All right, do we dare go to 20? 20 moves? Woo! How many moves? 23. Oh my goodness. Get that girl a prize. <laughs> 20. I was lamenting for my own children, 10, 10 and 1 in a lifetime. And Hannah over here is singing. She's going to love me singling her out. It's my daughter, and she's a senior. She's moved, to, she's gone to three different high schools, and, and uh, this, she'll graduate this from her third one. Right, you're going to graduate, right? Okay, good. Awesome. Good. But so moving is difficult. It, it's, um, it brings both stresses and opportunities, those stresses of like packing, finding a new house, starting over in a new community, finding the doctors and the pediatricians and the dentists and the, the good grocery store and... Here's the one I never thought of that is my wife's most important one. Find the good hairdresser. She's still lamenting. This is like three or four moves back. She hasn't found the hairdresser that she liked in Tallahassee. So whenever we return to Tallahassee, she visits that hairdresser. But it also brings some opportunities, you know, to begin a new and a new job, to begin a new and a new school, maybe to... to 
turn over some new leaves or to develop new friendships as well. We also learn some things about ourselves. We, we learn that we have a tendency or not to collect and accumulate stuff. I tend to collect and accumulate stuff until I get really sick of it and then we get rid of it all. And then we also find out how, how much our friends mean to us. When you move to a new place and then you're lamenting that I don't have those friends that I had anymore, those 3 a.m. friends that I used to have in a, another place, and you have to find them again. And we also kind of learn about how we react to new experiences. Is it an adventure or is it a lament? This series we're going to start today, and, and we got a new set up here. Doesn't the set look good? Very nice. Thank you, Becky, and your team for doing that. So we're, the new series is God Moves. It's seven weeks. It's going to take us through the Lenten season. We're going to look at how God moved in the first century and how God continues to move in the 21st century. And it seems like Jesus never really stayed in one place very long. He, he was always on the move. And during the series, we're going to unpack some boxes and rediscover that we're not alone in this journey, that God is still on the move in our lives and, and is walking with us every step of the way. So that's going to be our journey for the next seven weeks, all the way up through Holy Week and through Easter. And uh, with that in mind, would you welcome one another with the grace and the love that Jesus welcomes us? Again, welcome the work. Will you stand and greet one another? So I share we're in the beginning of a new series. It's the first Sunday of Lent. Lent begins on Ash Wednesday, and many of you were here participating in the imposition of ashes on Wednesday here in worship, and, and some of you joined me at Starbucks uh, for the Ashes to Go experience, and it was great, except for I burnt, sunburn on half of my face. After freezing most of the morning, the sun came out bright in the afternoon. But today's first Sunday of Lent is the 40 days before Easter, not counting Sundays. We don't count Sundays because we consider those to be little Easter's. So 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. And it's a time of reflection, a time to gain more self-awareness in our spiritual lives. Perhaps it's time to look at where we're doing well and also looking at places where we could where we would like to improve or to grow closer to God. And the season of Lent brings us a chance to move both inward and looking inward and also at the same time moving toward the cross, toward the time of Holy Week and time of Easter. Many times you've probably heard it's you know time of giving something up and so uh, many will choose something that they want to give away for their life. Uh, perhaps uh, something that they really like to eat or an activity they really like. Really, it should be something we're, we're giving up in order to draw us closer, in order to create space to draw us closer to God. And then I would also suggest that you may want to consider uh, taking something else on. Maybe it's a, a missional project for the time, or maybe it's a, a scripture reading or prayer or walking, which can be a, a solitude and prayerful activity as well. I've even seen some of those popular on Facebook now, this idea of, you know, giving away something every day for the 40 days, you know, of cleaning out, cleaning up your space in your life, even your physical space, and giving something up each day. 
You'll notice the altar also, in addition to the, the stage, is a little different. The, the color for the season of Lent is purple. And uh, we've been blessed to be the beneficiary. We had a church that was closing in St. Petersburg called Lealman United Methodist. And they had the opportunity to get rid of some of their things. So we have a new full set of pyramids. Pyramids are quite expensive. And so this is the purple pyramids that we have. And, and since I've come here and we don't wear robes and stoles, I, I thought I'd break out my Lenten stole as well. And uh, it was also, Lealman also blessed us with 200 hymnals that are like canoe. Now don't worry, Ron told you we're not, we're not changing contemporary worship. But we may bust out those hymnals once in a while to read some liturgy together and maybe to do some hymns in a more contemporary style. So that was quite a gift. Hymnals run about, right now, about $20 a piece. So it was about a $4,000 gift, not including the pyramids, which we probably have five or $600 worth of pyramids at least back there. So it's really quite a blessing. One church is, is dying, and another one is, they will gift some life to another one. So in Lent, we're looking at the stories of Jesus and how he moved in the first century and how he continues to move in the 21st century. And when God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, God moved in to a new neighborhood and had new experiences. The pastor, Eugene Peterson, who, who translated the Bible into a, a translation called the, the Message for his congregation in Maryland, he translated this very famous verse in John 1 where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He said, the Word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And that's what we're looking at here. Jesus took on flesh and, and moves into our neighborhood and takes on the, the same experiences that we take on. Today we're looking at Jesus' first move in ministry, and it was a move into the desert. So we're going to have to do a little bit of a rewind we're still in the book of Luke, and we will be in the book of Luke for the entire Lenten season, but we're going to rewind back a couple chapters from where we ended, and we're going to, let me set up the, the, the scene here. Jesus has just been baptized, and he's been baptized in the River Jordan. If you see that body of water on that left map, that's the Dead Sea, and just probably about above where the word Jerusalem is printed, that's the area of Bethany by the Jordan, and we think that's around the area where Jesus was baptized. And then immediately after being baptized, and, and God comes down and says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, he is sent out and into the wilderness or into the desert. And the desert is that, on the right-hand map in red, that's the Judean desert, or a lot of times called the Judean wilderness. And it doesn't always look like we might think it looks from our perception of desert, like the Sahara Desert, and you're running through the, the sand dunes, and, or even the, the Western Desert. This is kind of what the, the Judean Desert looks like. Desolate, but hard rocks, stony grounds. Uh, and in between that, there are also what they call these wadis. There are these river valleys that when it rains or snows in Jerusalem can flood very quickly and wipe everything away. So it, sometimes these wadis create a very much a, a very difficult hazard and life-threatening hazard. Uh, and you would move on these mountains, not in the river valleys because of safety, but you would move through the mountain ranges and the mountain ridges 
of this desert. So this is where Jesus, the scene takes place, Jesus being tempted in the desert. And this is the traditional scripture for the first Sunday of Lent. So hear the word of God, Luke 4, beginning in the first verse. Jesus returned from the Jordan River full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. There he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. He ate nothing during these days, and afterward Jesus was starving. The devil said to him, Since you are God's son, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. And Jesus replied, It's written, People won't live only by bread. Next, the devil led him to a high place and, and showed him in a single instant all the kingdoms of the world. The devil said, I will give you this whole domain and, and the glory of all these kingdoms. It's been entrusted to me, and, and I can give it to anyone I want. Therefore, if you will worship me, I will, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered, it's written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil then brought him into a high place in Jerusalem and stood him at the, at the highest point in the temple. And he said to him, since you are God's son, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and to, to protect you, and they will take you up in their hands so that you won't hit your foot on a stone. And Jesus answered, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. And after finishing every temptation, the devil departed from him until the next opportunity. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So after being baptized in the Jordan River, Jesus went into the desert, went into the wilderness, and began to fast for 40 days where he was being tempted. The scripture says that the devil was tempting him for 40 days. So all during this process, he's being tempted while he's fasting. And then we see here at the end, we hear these, these final three temptations. And this move into the desert is, is some of the most demanding physical experiences that a human can take on. Just surviving in that wilderness would, would take a lot. If you were even scavenging and hunting for food and just surviving there and finding water, would, would be a very difficult physical experience. But also add on to that that Jesus was fasting, and not only that he was just trying to survive, but he was resisting these temptations. So it was physically demanding and spiritually demanding for him as well. And this highlights Jesus' human nature. Remember, Jesus is both fully human and fully divine. It's an unbelievably difficult concept to get our heads around because we either want to look at one of those only at a time, but simultaneously Jesus was human and divine. And we see a lot of Jesus' humanness here in these temptations in the desert. He, he didn't just come to earth. He didn't just come and move into our neighborhood to kind of be a, a visitor and to be a tourist and take some pictures and, and take it all back up to God and, hey, here's the slideshow from earth and let me show you what's going on. He came and he lived in our neighborhood and he experienced everything there was to experience. He lived it. He walked through the toughest struggles that both you and I face. And I think that's really the, the point for this morning, that God and, and Jesus has moved fully into human flesh and can identify with our every experience. 
These 40 days that Jesus was in the desert also then remind us and we become reminiscent of another 40 experience. Jesus moved into the desert reminds us of this 40-year experience that the Israelites had in the desert as well. You will remember when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, they were working for Pharaoh, they were being mistreated. They were led through the Red Sea, kind of like Jesus went through the Jordan River and was baptized. They were led through the Red Sea. We see this water image, and then they're out in the desert, and they're wandering for 40 years. They're escaping Egypt, but they were waiting and wandering for 40 years to get to the promised land. In the same way that Jesus was waiting and being tempted in the desert for 40 days. But the Israelites, for 40 years, they sat there and they grumbled every day about food. You know, Lord, why haven't you sent enough food? We need some food. And, and then they finally, at one point, got into Moses and said, Moses, why in the world have you taken us to this place? It was so much better in Egypt where we were slaves. They were so overcome by the change that was happening and the difficulty that was happening that said, take us back to that other place because it was better. Even though we were slaves and even though we were mistreated and we were second-class citizens, that was better than not having food. So for 40 years they grumbled and, and even though God, when they asked, provided a way for them to get food, and then they were tempted and they succumbed to their temptation of worshiping idols that were made of gold. Remember, Moses went up onto Mount Sinai to meet with God and, and apparently Moses was up there a little too long for their liking. And so they said, okay, I don't think Moses is coming back, so we're going to make some, some idols out of gold and, and we'll worship these instead. But of course, Moses came back. So they were tempted by making idols and in the same way that Jesus was tempted to give, be given this whole entire kingdoms if he would worship and make an idol out of the devil. And the third one that the Israelites were tempted with in the desert was constantly putting God to the test. They were never satisfied with what God had given them, and they said, well, if you're really God, then do this. Do this and do this. They were constantly putting God to the test in the same way that the devil put Jesus to the test in trying to get him to test God. Jesus faced these same temptations, but unlike the Israelites, he didn't give in to his personal desires. He leaned on God, and he responded quickly using the scripture stories that he knew, using the scriptures that he experienced and learned and studied as a boy, and more so as he studied with a rabbi and became a man that he leaned on God through, the God's, through God's word, which Ron said was, is never changing and steady. And that's how Jesus leaned on God to get through these temptations. Because God and Jesus has come fully into human flesh and can identify with everything that we're going through. Now, while he can, he can identify with that, we may never be tempted in quite the same way that Jesus was tempted. You know, we may never be wondering, you know, where our food's going to come from and asking God to turn stone into bread, or we may not have uh, the same kind of idols that they had, 
But we may not have the same pride issue that Jesus was being tempted with power and authority over kingdoms, but those things all come up in our lives. We all have times when we want more or different or better food, or we want to have an idol that puts in front, puts a barrier between us and God, or there may even be a time when we're putting God to the test. God, if you love me, you'll do this for me. Or students, right, right before the test, oh God, if you're real, you'll help me pass this test that I didn't study one lick for and didn't need homework for, but, but Lord, let me get a hundred. Not quite how God works. God's not a vending machine. So we may never be tempted in exactly the same ways, but, but we are tempted. Each of us move through our own deserts at, at different times in our lives. Deserts of loneliness and emptiness and anger and resentment. Deserts of our own prejudices. Deserts of illness and disease. Of injury. Deserts of temptation to sin. But we just need to remember that Jesus moved fully into human flesh and, and can identify with all of those experiences. He's been there before and he overcame the very most difficult experiences that we could imagine. And he will help us overcome those experiences as well. You know, moving is hard. Moving from one house to another is hard. Moving from one place in our spiritual life to another place is hard. Moving, just moving through change is hard. And it brings opportunities and challenges. And so these next seven weeks, we're going we're gonna to be experiencing the feelings of moving. We're going to be experiencing the challenges and the opportunities that it brings for our lives. And, and as we move toward Holy Week and Easter, it will bring unique and new challenges to our spiritual lives. But friends, I, this is what I want you to remember today. We have a Savior who walked alongside us every step of the way and will not leave us or forsake us. Our calling is to stay right by his side. I think I've shared with you one of my favorite prayers that we prayed weekly when we were, and almost daily when we were planting the church in Tallahassee, is that we would stay in lockstep with God. We won't run ahead and get out too far ahead, and we won't lag behind, but we are lockstep together, almost like the, the most precision-based uh, group of drill team that you would see, that in lockstep together, or maybe even what I can relate to, maybe like in a three-legged race where our, our leg is tied to God's leg and we are moving together. We can't run ahead and we shouldn't run ahead and we shouldn't lag behind, but we're right in lockstep with God. And friends, that's the kind of God that we have. Amen? Would you stand as we close and worship? The altar is open. It's a great place to pray.